Well, what is going on, Bills Mafia? What is going on? It's good to have you tuned in to the Overreaction Sports Show. Brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Vodcast Network. My name is Joe Miller, and I am, as always, the host, the voice of the Overreaction Sports Show. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. You can also find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. I'm sorry, uh, Instagram, although I don't really visit Facebook much. I'm more of a lurker on Instagram. I do have a Snapchat or a, I don't even know what a TikTok. I don't to watch my girls like to make sure that they're not doing things they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah. T- yeah. The TikTok thing is weird. I never thought I'd have one. And now I've got girls with TikTok. So I am on TikTok. But yeah, if you want to follow me there, fine. I'll probably follow you back. But that doesn't mean anything. I don't even understand that app. Literally do not understand that app at all. Anyways, it's going to be back with you. On the, or for this episode from the city, direct from the city of Good Neighbors, Buffalo, New York, which has been the, the the city of Good Neighbors, Good Neighbors, which has in fact been on full display this past week, this entire week after the tragedy over on the east side. We will heal. We will grow from this. We will be a better community. And I'll be honest with you, um, this was a great community community before, and I am. Despite the heartbreak, despite the tragedy, despite the tears, despite the weeping, despite, you know, the anger and all the 12 stages of grief that everybody in this city is going through and the just all of it. I believe that this is going to be we're going to be better because of this, um, which is is all we can pray for, is that you hope that good comes from tragedy. Um, and that is my prayer uh, for this city, that we become better. Uh, than we were before, and we can maybe even be a beacon of light and an example to other cities around the country as far as how communities are supposed to interact and love each other. But I do want to say thank you for joining me, and as always, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee at the gym with your AirPods in, on the drive to work, or watching me live right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, let me just say one more time, welcome Please do me a favor, make sure whatever platform you are tuned in on, you like and subscribe. So if you are on YouTube right now, make sure you jump on that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if if you are on YouTube, click the little bell, because what the bell is going to do is it's going to tell you every single time that YouTube, or I should say one of the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube shows goes live, so you don't miss anything. And from what I'm gathering, and I found this out last week, for some reason, in the first 12 hours of the playback for our episodes... They're super glitchy, which is super annoying because I click on everybody else's podcast and video shows and everything else, and none of them glitch or buffer the way that ours do. So you're going to want to catch them live at least until we've got a ticket open or something like that, at least until we can figure out why those podcasts or these these video vodcasts, these whatever you want to call them shows, are a little bit glitchy. Uh, But I do want to, before we move on any further, get in a quick word from our sponsor. So ladies and gentlemen, the, the proud sponsor of this show, I bring you the Market Dominator. Introducing the Market Dominator. Folks, I'm John Spaschak. That's right, the Market Dominator. And I am the proud sponsor of the Overreaction Podcast, hosted by my good friend, Joe Miller. You know, his approach is absolutely outstanding. It's excellent. And that's what our approach is when we get into real estate. We help our clients win, just like our beloved team is doing week in and week out. So folks, if you want somebody representing you with the most cutting edge technology, using artificial intelligence and everything we can get our hands on to help you win, you reach out to me directly, 716-570-3298. We will answer our phone. And one more thing, go Bills. Go Bills. It's uncanny how much John actually, his little cartoon picture at the bottom of my screen looks just like him uh just in that video but uh john is an awesome dude so i would tell you this um if you are not going to use him to buy or sell your home you at least need to be with him and me and fina or spence or whoever else we're with if we are on the road at a bills game uh because john is a lot of fun and he ends up usually buying all the drinks and uh he's just a he's just a blast to be with he's a great dude he's one of my very very good friends i can't say enough if if you're if you're on the fence i would give you this if you are on the fence and you're not sure if you should use your cousin bill 
to sell your home or you should use John, hit me up in my DMs and I'll talk you through what my experience was when I bought our home here in Lakeview, New York, a couple of years ago with John. And now more than ever with just interest rates rising and things kind of going a little silly in the market, you want the right guy on your team and the market dominator team is the right guys. Welcome to everybody in the chat. It's so good to have all of you here. Uh, JR, who's a, the, what we got, my sister just rolled into the chat. Uh, uh, Brandon Stevenson's in the chat. Jason Humbert is in the chat. I know Richard Rush is here. Uh, Eric is in the chat. What's this? iMike23. Jessica Tennis is in the chat. It's good to have all of you guys. If I miss somebody, I apologize. Um, but it is a three-chord kind of night, or I should say three-chord kind of show. We're going to talk running backs. We are going to talk running backs on this show. And as I like to tell you guys all the time, I am recording a podcast. So this is a live recording of a podcast that goes on the Buffalo Rumblings SB Nation Vox Media <laughs> host site. Uh, I will be trying to work through my outline and talking about the things that I have prepared. Uh, so if you want to get my attention, please do me a favor. Jump over to YouTube if you've got a question about whatever. Hopefully it pertains to the show that I'm doing. But if you've got a question or if you want to get my attention because you have a comment, please do, do me a solid and just throw a super chat in there. Just because I'll be able to see it, it'll, it'll come up highlighted and colorful, and I won't miss it. If you're asking me questions over and over and again in the comment section, just with the regular kind of chatters, there's a good chance that I'm not going to see it. And I don't want you to get mad. I'm not trying to ignore you. The problem that I have is that if I, if I keep my attention on the comment section, I'll be all over the place. I'm ADD as it is, and it'll be a nightmare. But I want to get into this show because it's funny to me be, when I when – I, the offseason is tough for me. That's, I guess, how I want to say it. The offseason is tough. I have a very difficult time Sunday to Sunday trying to find content. Last year worked out great for me because I brought on a lot of guests. I had tons and tons and tons of guests. Every week I had a guest. So far this year, I have not had any guests. I don't know why. I just never think to reach out to somebody until usually Sunday about three o'clock, which is not the best time to ask somebody to be on your show. So I find myself struggling for content. Um, and I, and, and very much just like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know what yada, yada, yada. And it just, it becomes a little bit of drain. And then when I land on, okay, I'm going to talk about, for instance, for this show, the running back situation and who's in that running back room. And then as soon as I sit down on my laptop and I begin to type and I begin to research and I begin to kind of like come up with content for the show, I end up with way too much content. So I've got stuff. I think I'm just struggling a little bit with that whole inspiration piece, if you will. But I've got some good content for you. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. If you're listening to me now live, as I said, or in podcast form this sometime this week, it's a pleasure to have you as always. Um, but I want to talk about just the running back room, what I think we can potentially expect maybe from this Buffalo Bills running back room. And at the, at the end of the day, kind of like just a peak or an early, a super early peek into just maybe how we're feeling about it. And I would love to get comments in the, in the comment section. I'd love to get you guys talking about just what I'm going to talk about in the comment section to kind of keep that conversation rolling while I'm talking. But, you know, with the, with the departure of Brian Dable to the head coaching job of the New York Giants, the Bills, as you know, did not retain the services of Bobby Johnson while promoting QB coach Ken Dorsey to the offensive coordinator. And I think it's befitting. I don't think you can talk about the, run, the running back room, the RB room, and what to expect this year without kind of talking about the offensive line first because as we all have known, as we all have talked about, if you've watched this show, if you've watched the Hump Day Hotline, if you've watched the Off Tackle with John Fina show, and John Fina being a former NFL left tackle, not only for the Bills, but for the Arizona Cardinals for 11 years, we've talked a lot about the offensive line and some of the woes that were there. Well, the Bills did not retain the services of Bobby Johnson, and I think we need to talk first, before we talk about the running backs, we need to talk about, um, just for a minute, a brief minute or two, maybe five, maybe ten, what the Bills have done and who they brought in for the offensive line coach. I think it's important. And I'll be honest with you, it only makes sense. If you've watched Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott for 10 minutes, 
which everybody that's listening to this and, and watching me right now has, you know that what they're going to do is when they've got a first-year player, a first-year coach, a first-year whatever in their organization, they are going to do their best to surround them with talent. And that's exactly what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott did this year with Ken Dorsey. They, they elevated Ken Dorsey to the offensive coordinator. He's ready. Great relationship with Josh Allen. Minimal changes. No scheme changes. Maybe, you know, and I've talked about it, a little bit of a different fingerprint for Ken Dorsey. Same same, same terminology, same play calls, same words, same everything to kind of keep Josh Allen in that vein. And I don't know, I'm just thinking about this right now, but this person that I'm about to talk about could potentially be, you know, if Ken Dorsey, if, if Josh Allen comes out and wins the Super Bowl this year, if Josh Allen win, if the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen win a Super Bowl this year, I'm off script. If Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl this year, Ken Dorsey is probably going to find a head coaching job somewhere because that's what great quarterbacks do for offensive coordinators. And it wouldn't surprise me if the guy that I'm about to talk about ends up being maybe the offensive coordinator in the wings because he has been an offensive coordinator, a successful offensive coordinator in the past, primarily with the Saints. But it only makes sense that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, as I was saying, would surround Ken Dorsey or find people or a person that Ken Dorsey can kind of rely on, can kind of like lean on a little bit in his first year as a budding star coordinator. Again, at least we expect him to be a budding star with Josh Allen as his quarterback. And that coach that I'm speaking of right now, and I'm sure that a lot of you have put it in the comment section already, is Aaron Cromer. And I'm going to get to Aaron Cromer in a second. So the question we're all asking is, what are the challenges that we're facing as a running back group, as a, as a football team for 2022? Well, on paper, the Bills were outstanding last season. As a team, they rushed for 2,209 yards, 20 touchdowns on 461 attempts, averaging 4.8 yards per carry. However, those stats are a little bit misleading because as you probably all know where I'm going, well, how much of that was Josh Allen, right? I promise you there's people in their car right now driving that literally just said, yeah, but 2,209 yards, but how much of that was Josh Allen? Well, 122 carries for 763 yards and six touchdowns were Josh Allen. He ballooned those stats big time. So between Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, they rushed for the balance of, what is it, 1,500, somewhere around there, or 1,450, right? 14 touchdowns. And that doesn't include any jet sweeps or anything like that that might have been a non-running back touchdown. But Josh Allen inflates, if you will, those numbers. And let's be honest for a second. Josh Allen leads this league in, in long runs. There's nobody that has more long runs or effective long runs. And by long runs, I would say more than 15 yards. Nobody by a mile comes even close to Josh Allen. I would guess, I would venture to guess that if you removed Josh Allen's long runs from the season, this would be a pretty pathetic running football team. Just a guess. And some of you in the chat or in the car right now might be thinking, well, Joe, you're wrong. Well, am I? I mean, how do we know, right? I mean, I'm sure if you Google it, you could find out. This team, this Buffalo Bills football team, though successful at times the last two seasons, has struggled mightily from the running back group. It is not a secret. And though a lot of people want to believe that the Buffalo Bills got it going on, and these running backs are great because we love our guys, and we do, and I do. I love Zach Moss. I love Devin Singletary. The reality is, is this offensive line has struggled to produce off like offensive running pr productivity, if you will, from this running back group, which led to Bobby Johnson being gone, right? And we're learning some other things that I'll get to in a second. But they've struggled. It has not been great. And I know the numbers look different. So Devin Singletary, and I'll get into that in a minute too, like averaged 4.6 yards of carry last season. Well, did it look like 4.6 yards of carry? Was it dominating? Was it a dom Was it 4.6 yards of carry because Devin Singletary is Dalvin Cook or Devin Singletary is 
Christian McCaffrey or De- Devin Singletary is an elite running back in the NFL, or is it 4.6 yards of carry because the Bills throw the ball 60 to 70% of the time and they basically go off balance on the run and then Devin is able to chew up some yards? I would assuredly tell you, even though statistics might say something different. And again, if there's a trademark phrase on this show, it's this. Statistics only matter until they don't. So if you're new to the show in the last year, I've said that for a long time. Statistics matter only until they don't. Which basically means you could give me a statistic. And it matters unless it doesn't equate to anything in a game. There's a lot of statistics that we actually use that are like that. They don't matter until they don't. Devin Singletary's 4.6 yards of carry to me is one of those stats that don't matter. It's a great stat, but it doesn't matter. If it mattered, if Devin Singletary's 4.6 yards of carry was extremely important, it was like, look at this. We got a running back averaging 4.6 yards of carry. If it mattered, they would have drafted a running back in the second round. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have brought in a new offensive line coach. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't be looking for road graders in free agency like Roger Saffold. They wouldn't. Why? Because that 4.6 yards is an aberration. It's a ghost. It's not a it's not a stat you can rely on or count on. If you if you went 50-50 run pass or 60-40 run pass, Devin Singletary isn't going to average 4.6 yards of carry behind that offensive line in 2021. It's not going to happen. And don't shout me down because I'm right. Because you know I am. This running back group has struggled mightily in the last couple seasons. Mightily. Not only from running, but from blocking. They just have, they've, they've just not been a great group. So what should we expect? What should we expect from the Buffalo Bills running back group in 2022? Well, Will there be a running philosophy change? Will they force the zone like they've done the last several years then fall back to pin and pull? Will they force a scheme on... And and I don't know if it's Brian Dable. I don't know if it's McDermott. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because we've got Zach Moss and he's more of a zone, wide zone running back. But will they try to force this offensive line and these running backs into a scheme that doesn't work, and then just like we saw in the last couple of years, towards the end of the season, be like, this isn't working, it's go time, we're making a push for the playoffs, we got to do something different, we're going to fall back to pin and pull, which we've been very successful with. This is a very, this is a good pin and pull football team. Mitch Morse is an elite pulling center in the NFL. Elite pulling center. They're a great pin and pull offensive line. So the, the first question we have to ask or what when we talk about expectations is, is the running philosophy going to change? Which running backs are going to make the roster? Right now, we've got a pretty stacked group. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Duke Johnson, the rookie James Cook. I'm excited, beyond excited to see James Cook. We have to ask ourselves who is best suited for whatever run scheme they're going to go with. Is it Devin Singletary? Is it Zach Moss? Is it James Cook? Is it Duke Johnson? And I think most importantly, we have to ask ourselves, what does Aaron Cromer bring to the table? So I want to break down and I want to talk about before we get into the running backs, and this might not be a super long show, which isn't a bad thing. It's Sunday. Summer's coming. It was nice yesterday. Man, was it nice yesterday. 87, 89 degrees yesterday, and it was 55 this afternoon. <laughs> what? What? It, Buffalo, how I love you and hate you at the same time. <laughs> We're paying for that week of great weather we got a week and a half ago. So what does Aaron Cromer bring to the table for the Buffalo Bills? And again, keep the comment section rolling. So you guys have kind of, you know, and, and it's great to see Peyton, uh, Carmen in the uh, in the chat section. Carmen, uh, appreciate you have pre- appreciate you having you back. Uh, it's great to see you guys in the comment section. But uh, we want to ask the question: What does Aaron bring to the table? So here's the thing: I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory, if, and I'm, I'm sure some of you know this because I know a lot of the people that watch this show 
get around. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know, when, when you talk about a guy or a girl getting around, it's not great. But for those of you that are Bill's Mafia, that get around. And what I mean by get around, you watch Cover One. You watch Fanatics. You watch Built in Buffalo. You watch everybody else. I know that you've gotten information on Aaron Cromer. So for some of you, there's going to be a measure of, well, I know this information. For some of you, it's going to be like, oh, I didn't know that. So stick with me for a minute if you know this. So this is Aaron Cromer's, believe it or not, second stint with the Buffalo Bills. He was here in 2015 and 2016 with Rex Ryan. In those two years, the Buffalo Bills led the league in rushing. Listen to me. The Buffalo Bills, in the two years that he was here, led the league in rushing. Yes, he had Tyrod Taylor. Josh Allen's better as a runner. Yes, he had LaShawn McCoy, Shady. No. <laughs> Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. You can put all them, all four of them together. Duke Johnson and James Cook right now are not better than, than LaShawn McCoy was when he was here. So in the two years that Aaron Cromer was here, he Cromer was here. He led the Buffalo Bills in or the Bills led the league, I should say, in rushing. He left Buffalo in 2017 when Rex was fired. He was not retained by McDerm McDermott. And the to be honest with you, we don't know why. I mean, it's usually a clean a cleaning of house type of a situation. Sometimes I think the Bills retained Danny Crossman from that from that team. So I don't think it was an entire clean cleaning of house. Um, I could be wrong if. Uh, Chris Jenkins in the chat, he could tell you because he is the encyclopedia. I wish he would just go about it and just change his like literal Twitter handle to the encyclopedia because Chris Jenkins is <laughs> a man of knowledge. Anyways, I digress. He was not retained by McDermott. We don't know why. Maybe because of unfamiliarity. Maybe because Sean McDermott didn't know him very well or he wanted somebody else. Maybe because of the blemishes on his record. To include, if you remember, you know, Cromer had that incident where he punched a youth and threatened his family. Whatever charges there were, they were dropped, but he was suspended by the league, I think, for six weeks or something like that. He has also had some issues with players because I think he's a coach that demands a lot and doesn't necessarily. He's probably an old school kind of coach would be my guess. A little bit more of a hard nosed in your face a little bit has high expectations. I don't know the man. I'm I'm just guessing. You you have a situation where you've got, you know, recorded history or or interviews where overwhelmingly players love the man. And then there's been a couple spots where players have wanted to take his head off, particularly in New Orleans. In his four seasons as the New Orleans Saints offensive line coach from 2009 to 2012, listen to me. That team allowed the fewest sacks in the league. Now, yes, when you think about that system, that offensive system, and Drew Brees, he gets the ball out very fast, but so does Josh Allen at times when things are going well. He also sent nine players to the Pro Bowl inside that time from 2009 to 2012. And, oh, by the way, they won a Super Bowl in 2009. I like the sound of that. Aaron Cromer has had some notable successes and he's had some odd departures. Brian Baldinger loves this guy. Absolutely. The amount of times you hear Brian Baldinger do his little baldy takes or his baldy report or whatever those things are where he does those breakdowns, baldy breakdowns, they're amazing. I love them. I live on them. He's one of the few coaches that he talks about. Aaron Cromer is. Normally he talks about the player, but there's been many occasions where Baldy will actually talk about Aaron Cromer. When it comes down to it, and I'm giving you again backstory for those of you that are just joining me on Aaron Cromer, when it comes down to it, he is a teacher. And he's a good one who comes from great stock, Howard Mudd, Jim McNally, who many of you should remember if you're old like me, Mouse McNally was, a, was one of the offensive line coaches for the Buffalo Bills for a short season. Brian Callahan, Elite at, uh, offensive line coaches in the NFL. I think it's Brian Callahan, 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 whatever. He used to be the Raiders coach. Another strength of Aaron Cromer is he's not married to a scheme. He will adjust to the players that he has. And oh, by the way, he's got some interesting ones. 
coming to the Buffalo Bills, he has some very interesting players. Let's break down some of those players. And, and I'm not going to talk about the running backs. I'm going to talk about the offensive linemen. He's got Deion Dawkins as his left tackle, who is a at this point a pro bowler, right? Maybe perennial has made it several times, I think. I think he's made it a couple times. I could be wrong. Undersized left tackle, undersized athletic left tackle. Normally the left tackle is Andrew Whitworth, six foot eight, six foot seven, a mountain of a man. Right, impossible to get around. the 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 right defensive end has more like takes it takes more from just to get around the guy, and then the dude's usually athletic on top of it. So he's got a, an undersized left tackle who's very athletic, in Deion Dawkins. He's got a road grader this year in Roger Saffold who's aging, a little bit long in the tooth, but was very very highly rated last year with the Tennessee Titans. Mitch Morris, who, believe it or not, for some reason, Bill's Mafia content creators, I was not one of them, tried to run him out of town, run him out of town a couple times. And if you're if you love and listen to all the time one of those content creators that tried to run him out of town and talked about how bad he was, you should probably rethink who you listen to. Because Mitch Morris was never the problem. He was never the problem, and he was never benched for somebody else. He was, he was basically reserved to allow him one more week to heal against an inferior opponent. And at the end of the day, what happened? Well, that experiment, if you believe that he was benched, didn't go well. And he was right back in the lineup, and he hasn't missed a game since. Mitch Morris is an anchor. He's an athletic center who does well. He's got Ryan Bates, who plays all across the line. His strengths are center and tackle. Oh, by the way, he's playing this year right guard. <laughs> he's got a backup right guard in Cody Ford who has heavy feet, as John Fina likes to say. And then he's got a right tackle who is a mountain of a man in Spencer Brown. He's got some interesting players, and he is a teacher. I'm excited to see what he does with this group. I'm excited to see, because I'll be honest with you, and I don't know who is in the chat right now that can remember. But the Buffalo Bills led the league in rushing in 2015 and 2016. Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn McCoy. But outside of Eric Wood and Richie Incognito, I don't remember there being a pro bowler on that offensive line. I don't remember there being guys on that old line that we were like, man, look at this dude. This guy is the machine. Right? There were no Andrew Whitworths on that offensive line. There were no Jason Peters on that offensive line. For uh, if, without looking it up, does anybody remember who was on that offensive line with with Eric Wood, Richie Con Richie uh, John Miller was on that line, right? For was it one year in sixteen? Was that the year he got drafted? And I think that may have been the best year he played. John Miller's best season as a pro was in his first two seasons, I believe, with Aaron Cromer, maybe one year. But he's not married to a scheme, which is good. He's going to have to adjust to the players he has, and he will. He also has a staff. My, this is just, this is a guess. This is just a guess. I'm guessing the reason the Bills want to be multiple is because the staff wants to be multiple in their running looks. Is that a Brian Dable thing? Probably. Is it kind of a nouveau NFL thing? Probably. Is Ken Dorsey going to want to do it too? Probably. So the staff is going to want to be multiple. He's going to be able to bring that to this team. He's going to be able to coach them up. And the funny thing is the players on this line vary almost as much as the skill sets of the running backs. If you think about it, if you think about the players that I just mentioned to you, I didn't, even, I, didn't, I didn't even mention Tommy Doyle and Ike Butker. But the players in the line vary almost as much as the running backs do. And oh, by the way, just to throw it in there, he's a very talented pass-blocking offensive line coach. The dude is legit. Legit with a capital L-E-G-I-T, legit. 
it's funny because I asked that question about who is on the line and people don't know. And I, I appreciate people not looking it up. So Spin just said, uh, I thought we had a, a decent tackle. So I'm just guessing that he was just talking about. Uh, so it, we don't remember that the point that I was trying to make is, is we had the number one rushing team in the NFL for two years. And outside of Richie Incognito and Eric Wood, we don't overly remember who was on that offensive line. Who was the right tackle? <laughs> I'm sure somebody has said it. I think Jason Taylor just said Cordy Glenn. I think that's accurate. I think Cord- it was not Deion Dawkins. I'm pretty sure Cordy Glenn, because McDermott traded Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. So Cordy Glenn was the left tackle of that football team. We can't even remember. There it is right there. Thomas DeLau says Cordy Glenn and Central Henderson. Elite offensive line. Elite offensive line, Bills Mafia. Cordy Glenn, Richie Incognito, who was elite. Eric Wood, who was elite. John Miller, Central Henderson. Number one rushing number one rushing team in the NFL. Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn McCoy, Bowie Dixon. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I give you Aaron Cromer. <clears throat> Aaron Cromer, ladies and gentlemen, right? Cordy Glenn is, it's true. For those of you in the comment section, Cordy Glenn was a left tackle. He was never a right tackle. So if you were like me concerned the last couple of years about this offensive line, and I was, you should be elated with the opportunity and the prospects of having Aaron Cromer. as the offensive line coach because Bobby Johnson, I don't know what Bobby Johnson was doing. I'm not saying Bobby Johnson is bad. Clearly Brian Dable doesn't think Bobby Johnson was bad because I believe he took him to New York to the giants with him. So there's some expectation or trust there, but Aaron Cromer is a talented, excuse me, offensive line coach that has had incredible success in the NFL and is a teacher. Jessica Tennis with the Super Chat. Joe, why do you think Mike Shula is on the team? You know, it's interesting. Um, as much as they say, I'll, pull, I'll leave that up. Sorry, Jessica. Thank you for the Super Chat. Thank you, for, thank you for being part of the show. As much as they say that football is never about politics, football is always about politics. So whether it's because somebody owes Mike Shula a favor, Right. And Mike Shula's trying to break back into the NFL or like get some traction. And there's no better traction in the NFL than being on a team that goes to the playoffs every year, AFC championship game, has the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe goes to the Super Bowl and wins. There's no better traction for an assistant coach or a position coach or a coach somewhere than when you're a part of that team. What did you learn? Are you the reason that Josh Allen was so good? Are you the reason that that team made it? Are you the reason that this or that or blah, blah, blah? Whether it's that or because they're trying to, as I said before, Jessica, surround Ken Dorsey with experience, right? Maybe Mike Shula has something or has done something or there's a character strength that he has as a coach that frankly, you know, maybe Ken Dorsey has to to develop. It's funny because we look at these guys a lot of times and we just assume automatically, right? It's like, oh, these guys are coaches in the NFL. They have nothing to learn. No, these guys are young. A lot of them are young. Even some of the younger guys, or older guys rather, have development that they have to go through. Ken Dorsey, as great as he is as, as an offensive line coach, as good as he was as an offensive coordinator, he actually was the interim head coach for Sean Payton when Sean Payton got suspended, didn't do so well. Well, guess what? As great as he is as an offensive line coach, he's never been considered as a head coach. I think he was once for St. Louis and Jeff Fisher got hired before he even got interviewed. So that question about Mike Shuley, you never know. There could be a million reasons why. Maybe there's something he's bringing to the team that Sean McDermott wants. Maybe Sean McDermott crossed paths with him, with the Eagles or Carolina at some point. You just, you just, you never know in these situations. You never know. 
Let's get to in the final waning minutes of this podcast. As I said, it's a three chord kind of night. For those of you that know knows what that means. I don't know if my sister is still in the room, but if Jamie is still in the room, it was her birthday on May 20th. Happy birthday, Jamie. Jamie is old like me, in case any, any of you are wondering. Very, very old. There she is. She may have just popped in for a second and popped out, but Jamie, I love you. Happy birthday. I appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you. Getting back to the show. So I just want to go through the four what we would probably consider primary running backs that are on this roster right now who are not guaranteed to be on the roster right for the rest of the season or for the, for the beginning of the season, Devin Singletary. I'm going to give you some information that you already know. So consider this me affirming <laughs> your knowledge as a Buffalo Bills fan. Devin Singletary is more of a slashing style runner. We love to talk about it, and I say it often that he can make a man miss in a phone booth. It's incredible to watch him put that dead leg on the fo- on the floor and and basically make guys fly by him. He's small and not very fast, but he is extremely talented. He's got a big heart. He's aggressive. He's got a sense of urgency with the football. In 2021, he had 188 attempts for 870 yards. This is what I talked about. Stats only matter until they don't. He rushed for 4.6 yards per carry, which, to be honest with you, isn't awful. It's not awful. And we all feel like he played a little bit better in the second half of the season in the playoffs. But the numbers kind of tell a different story. When you look at the numbers, and I did them, like I did the splits, the last eight games or seven games of the season or whatever, however you want to split it, there was only like 30 more yards overall that he like rushed for than he did in the first half of the season. I like Devin Singletary. I like him a lot. I think the biggest difference between the first half of the season in 2021 and the second half of the season in 2021 was the amount of long runs he had. He had a bunch of long runs in the back half of the 2021 season. It's hard. It's hard not to like Devin Singletary. If you don't like Devin Singletary, I don't know which football team you're watching because when he gets the ball, there's a measure of excitement there. He's got the shake, right? I've said many times, many times I've said that that, that this team, this staff, these coaches have done almost everything that they can, excuse me, to give somebody, anybody else a chance to take that starting position away from Devin Singletary. And like a rash, a bad rash, Devin Singletary just won't give it away. Fumbles, they bench him. Whatever, they give somebody else a try. Yada, yada, yada. By the end of the season, Devin Singletary's the guy, right? Like a bad rash, the dude just keeps coming back. And I'll be honest with you. When I say this, I expect him to not go away in 2022 either. Did you hear me? I don't, I don't think for one second that he's just going to give up in 2022 and go to some other team. He's going to come into camp this year. Guns blazing, giving it everything he has and proving why he belongs on this roster. Expect it. Expect it. Zach Moss, people love to talk about Zach Moss, and I'll be honest with you, I saw all over Twitter, when James Cook was drafted, I saw a bunch of you tweet, bye-bye Zach Moss. Maybe, maybe not. Zach Moss is a zone read running back. He's a one-cut guy, right? In college, he was an imposing runner. He has that famous quote that me and Jay Spencer King love. I like to make defenders make business decisions, which basically means if you're going to tackle me, you might not get up for the next play. He hasn't really been that guy outside of a couple plays in, in, in his professional career. He's had trouble finding holes in his first two season seasons, rather, despite there being holes, cutting the wrong direction, running into the back of his offensive linemen, 
a lot of times, if you think about it and you break it down, he's he's running into the back of an offensive lineman. He's running in the back, and the defensive lineman is kind of like tracking backwards, whether he's being beat or it's his assignment. I don't know if he's expecting the offensive lineman to be running forward. I don't know if the game has just been too fast. I like Zach Moss. I want to see Zach Moss be good, be successful. Successful. But there's been holes there that he has just basically not seen. If the hole's on the left, he's gone right. If the hole's on the right, he's gone left. We found out on the Jay Spence the King show, the Code of Conduct show a couple weeks ago, that he had a broken ankle all of last season with screws in it. And it was lingering all of last season. He's fully healthy now. He had 96 attempts last season for 345 yards, 3.6 yards per carry in 2021. And I believe he was scratched a couple games. I think. I'm pretty sure he was scratched a couple games. But the Buffalo Bills are going to give Zach Moss every opportunity to stay on this roster. They drafted him in the third round. He's got two years left of this contract. The Bills are not going to like move away from this guy quickly. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to be like, well, we'll just cast you off. It's no big deal. The question is, can he find the vision he needs to be the guy he was in college? Because this offensive line is going to be, in my opinion, greatly improved. If yes, expect him to survive his contract and maybe be a part of the one-two punch of the future of this football team. Got a super chat for you from Action Jackson at 222. He says, great show, sir. You know what, Action Jackson? Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for watching. I don't know if you've been a regular and just kind of been in the background. I don't know if you've been around all the time, but you know what, dude? Stick around. I appreciate you. We're here every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, especially during the season. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for the super chat. It's good to see you. And look at that. I was just thinking about you, Pam Adana. Pam Adana's in the room. Everybody, welcome. Pam Adana. It's so good to see you. So good to have you a part of the uh, the chat room uh, for the show there, Pam. Pam is back. Moving on. James Cook. Real quick. James Cook. He's a rookie from Georgia, as you know. I might give you some information you may or may not have known. Known, rather. James Cooks played sparingly, which you probably know, knew, rather. Never really had an RB1 role in Georgia. I know you knew that. You heard it, obviously, on draft night. Very talented, very fast running back who gives Josh Allen a weapon. James Cook, make no mistake, is a weapon. And he's going to be a weapon for Josh Allen on the football field. He can line up anywhere. He is a mismatch for any defensive back or linebacker. Last season, he played 15 games, had 113 rushing attempts for 728 yards. He had a 6.4 average. And this is what I would tell you about that 6.4. That 6.4 carries over to every season that he played. Every season he played as a Georgia Bulldog, he averaged 6.4 yards at least per carry. Seven rushing touchdowns. He had 27 receptions. For 284 yards with four touchdowns in 2021 in that championship season by the Bulldogs. This is where it gets a little bit dicey. However, he never received more than 12 carries in a single football game. He was incredibly productive. I think he I think 12 he hit 12 twice or double digits twice. 12 was the max. He was incredibly productive, but he did not have high volume. You have to wonder why the Bills took him as high as he did. Is this just a luxury pick? Or do the Bills see more for him? He's very fast. He's very agile. He's very talented. He sees the hole and he hits the hole fast. If you watch his highlight reel, the amount of touchdowns, long touchdowns, whether rushing or receiving where he isn't even touched, it's incredible. He's a dangerous pass catcher. Again, when you think this thing, when you think James Cook, think weapon. On the other side, 
He's not considered a power back. His brother Dalvin is. What's funny is he's an inch taller, 10 pounds lighter than Dalvin Cook. He's also faster than his brother. He has better hands than his brother. He's a different player than his brother. He doesn't have, or I should say, didn't have great contact balance in college. It remains to be seen, kind of like what I was just saying, what the future of this kid is going to be. But the Bills took him high. And as I said, I think the expectations on him are very high. I don't think he's just a luxury pick. For me, at this point, the Bills are entering that 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 moment, <clears throat> excuse me, with Josh Allen, where it's about the longevity of your quarterback. I don't know about you, but Josh Allen has played, what, four years? Is that right? 18, 19, 20, 21. I don't want to see Josh Allen play another eight years or nine years. I want to see Josh Allen play another 15 years. The way that Josh Allen plays 15 more years is if they get him a running back one, an RB1, the defensive coordinators have to game plan for so that Josh Allen isn't taking the hits that he has taken the last four years. I talked about it a couple shows ago. What shortened, what robbed us of the last three or four years of Jim Kelly's career was him getting completely annihilated in the USFL. He was destroyed physically the first couple years there and the first couple years as a bill. And it shortened his career. He should have played as long as Marino did. He should have played as long as Elway did. And he didn't get to. I don't want to be robbed of that with Josh Allen. Part of me wonders if maybe they think, they believe that he can put some weight on that frame and be an RB1. We'll see. I don't have that answer. But it remains to be seen what the future of Cook is. He doesn't have great size, but he's got room. He's got time to grow into his frame, which I think he will. And who knows if he puts weight, if he puts another 20 pounds on that frame, I got to think it's going to affect his contact balance. It's funny because as I was watching scouting reports and reading stuff, they talked about his contact balance being off because normally when he's hit, he's running so fast. So it's not a measure of him being between the tackles and like putting his head down and his shoulder pads down and running into the line and like, you know, forcing himself into the line and hitting guys like we see Zach Moss do and bouncing off of him and keeping his legs churning. Normally when he's hit, he's at full speed, <clears throat> which if you're at full speed, it's easy to be tripped. It's easy to lose balance if you're running as fast as you can. Jessica Tennis with another super chat. Jessica, thank you. Cook has less wear in his tires than most running backs. That's exactly right. He is legitimately fresh, as fresh as they come. As fresh as they come. So it, it will be interesting, but there's obviously no way. So as we've been going through Devin Singletary, I think he's a lock to make this roster. As we get to Zach Moss, I don't think the Bills are going to move on from him. I think it makes way too much sense to keep him, and there's no way no way that James Cook is not going to be on this football team. So that leaves us with the guy the Buffalo Bills recently signed, Duke Johnson. He's a hard-driving running back with great contact balance. Yes, his better years are behind him. He has been a running back who has, in his career, been a $5 million running back, which, by the way, was the money that I believe we were paying shady. He has made his money in the NFL. Now he's more of a patch catching tight end, or sorry, pass catching running back. I looked, I looked at the clock to see how long I've been going, and I completely misspoke. That's how great my brain is. <laughs> more of a patch pass catching running back, and a limited change of pace back. Now he obviously speed eludes him a little bit. In five games last year, he rushed seventy one times for three hundred and thirty yards, four point six yards a carry again. I don't think that's because he was owning, he wasn't Ladanian Tomlinson in those games. Four receptions for 41 yards, all with Miami. He had similar rushing numbers in 2020 in a full 16 game schedule with the Texans. However, he had 28 receptions for 249 yards that year. The difference between Duke Johnson 
and all other all of the other three running backs that I have named, Singletary, Moss, Cook. Duke Johnson is a solid, willing, able, and ready pass blocker, which the Bills have struggled with since Shady was gone, or since Shady's been gone. None of the guys that we have on this on this roster have ever been great pass blockers as running backs. In fact, if you go back to some of the Phoenix shows last year, there was many times that it was almost like they were clueless, and it wasn't just them. The tight ends at times weren't sure who they were supposed to be blocking. The interesting thing that you have to ask yourself at this point is, does it matter? Do the Bills think that like pass blocking running back is the is what's going to get them over the hump? Probably not. They probably figure we've struggled with it for this long. Why not keep struggling with it? It's worked. Josh Allen is elite at evading rushers. Does it even matter if you've got a guy pass blocking if you got Josh Allen in the backfield? If I had to guess, if I had to bring it to the brass tacks as we're wrapping this show up, and I appreciate all of you that are in the chat right now, strong numbers in the chat. By the way, if you are in the chat all the time and love this show or love Sterling's new show or Jay Spence's show or the Hump Day Hotline or the Buffalo Nerd or Food for Thought, tell your friends. Tell your friends about what Buffalo Rumblings has going on in the content creation uh, realm for, for Bill's Mafia. Because I think we've got some of the best shows out there. And that's just a personal opinion. And yes, I'm talking about me. I think my show is one of the best out there. <laughs> Not ashamed to admit it. I think I do a pretty good job. Elliot Eisler in the room. What's up, Elliot? Good to see you. If I had to guess, getting back to it, I'm sorry, ADD moment. Squirrel. If I had to guess, Duke Johnson is probably going to get aged out by the other guys on this roster. The question is, and I don't know, I don't know this answer. The question is simply, is he willing to stay in Buffalo, maybe on a reserve role? I'm pretty sure due to the new rules, the COVID rules, he's able to be on the practice squad. So is Duke Johnson well willing to stay in Buffalo on a reserve role or at a res- in a reserve role for the opportunity to win a Super Bowl? Or is he does he want to play? And the Bills are probably going to have that conversation with him some at some point in preseason. Hey, bro. And we got Devin. Devin's, you know, Devin's Devin. He just, he's not going to give it up. He's not going to let go of that position lightly. Devin is just a monster. And every time we've tried to move on from him, like a bad rash, he keeps coming back. So we got to keep Devin. Zach Moss is fully healed. You know, we're two years into his contract, his rookie contract. We, you know, it's, we got to see what we've got in Zach Moss now that he's healed. And then obviously we got this guy, James Cook, you know, I'm sorry, Duke, but we're in a position where, you know, we're willing to let you go. We'll let you go early. So you can, so you can catch on someplace else, or we would love to have you here on a reserve contract practice squad. And if we need you, you're, you're the next guy up. And oh, by the way, you could potentially win a Super Bowl. I, I don't know where his head's at. He's been in the, in the league a long time. <laughs> Daniel Gowries says, what about Taiwan Jones? Taiwan Jones, the running back for the Buffalo Bills that dropped the record-breaking touchdown pass for most, uh, uh, what is it, the, the most different receivers to catch a touchdown from a quarterback. He's the guy that dropped that pass in the Titans game, right? And you want me to talk about Taiwan Jones? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. It'll be interesting to see where Duke falls. My guess is he's probably going to want to play. He probably wants a contract where he's going to get to play, which is going to put him in a situation where he's going to play in a bad football team. And that's weird to me, where guys are more interested in the extra million dollars after they've made $20 million. They're more interested in that last extra million than they are about winning a Super Bowl. I thought these guys did this because they want to win a Super Bowl. I don't know. Yes, Jason Taylor, I have a grudge. I have a grudge. So those are my feelings on the offensive line, which I gave you a little bonus. We were going to talk about running backs, and we talked about the offensive line. 
But if I had to guess, and it's no surprise, my odd man out at this point is Duke Johnson for this roster in 2022. However, we have a lot to look forward to. And Ken Dorsey, Aaron Cromer, James Cook. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see James Cook play football. I would love to see James Cook put on put on another five pounds between now and the start of the season. I know that's unheard of. Rookies normally lose weight in their first year because it's they're not used to the uh, just the regimen. They're not used to the amount of games, not used to the amount of activity. But this should be for Bills Mafia, you and me, all of us, a fun ride this season. And can you imagine if Josh Allen actually finds his ceiling? I almost hope he doesn't. I would love to go into every season of his career where we have and be able to say, I'm not sure we found Josh Allen's ceiling yet, or he's he's hit his ceiling. Josh Allen still has room to grow. And he's already widely considered the best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> wildest dreams land. I'm going to say it every show. Every show, I'm committed to having a reason to say wildest dreams land in 2022. Josh Allen widely being considered the best quarterback in the NFL and still has not yet hit his ceiling as a quarterback. Who, oh, by the way, turned, is he 26 now? Saturday? Last Saturday? Wildest dreams land. It's hard to believe that this football team can be better than they've been, but the bar, I have high expectations. I have very, very high expectations for this football team. Tomorrow, intentional grounding with Sterling Furrow. Do not miss it. It's getting huge numbers on YouTube. For for So Sterling is doing great numbers. So tune into Sterling. He's got something going on, and Sterling is the man. He's my guy. I love Sterls. Make sure you jump in with Sterling tomorrow. I should say Monday night. I think it's at nine. Is it eight o'clock or nine o'clock? Regardless, live right here on the Buffalo Rumley's YouTube. Code of conduct with Spence, J. Spence the King. Hump Day Hotline this Wednesday should return. Should return. The Buffalo Nerd with my guy Colt Schroeder on Thursday. We just have great, solid, entertaining content. Not dry, boring stuff. We have solid, entertaining conduct. Uh, con- conduct. Listen to me. <laughs> we've got solid entertaining uh just just stuff for you every single night of the week and then how could you want to miss food for thought on friday nights with nate geary and bruce nolan don't miss it don't miss it but ladies and gentlemen you have been tuned into that's me signing off by the way in case you didn't know the overreaction sports show brought to you by the market dominator on the buffalo rumblings vodcast network i am your host i'm the voice of the overreaction sports show my name is Joe Miller. Please, if you are not following me on Twitter, please do so. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. But man, I tell you what, guys, with every passing day, I absolutely cannot wait for the season. But at the same time, I'm telling myself, just as I tell all of you, every single show, do not wish your summer away. Don't wish your summer away. Enjoy the summer. <laughs> enjoy the time before the season, the good weather. And then, man, what a season it's going to be. This is our year. I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Go Bills. (laughs) 